Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey guys, it's Paul here. This is one of our Holiday Rewind episodes because we are in the month of December, and every year we like to take a two-week break to spend a little bit of extra time with our families around the Christmas season. This episode that we chose to re-release is a bonus round episode called The Games That Shaped Us. It was recorded by Josh, Ryan, and me. Ryan was actually coming back for only his second guest host appearance, so this is actually before he even permanently joined the show. He also called in from San Diego while on vacation with his family, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, the whole idea behind this episode was just to talk about flagship games from our past that kind of formed us into the gamers we are now. What are the major games that drew us to gaming to begin with? What games formed our opinion and made us realize just how great gaming could be? Uh, things of that nature. I will also point out that this episode does also address the stupid Beatles debate, which went on for way too long. That has been laid to rest. There is no need to dig that one back up from the grave. Besides, I think Josh auto-conceded by default when he said that Wham! is the greatest band of all time because of their hit song Take On Me, which was not released or written by Wham!, has nothing to do with them whatsoever. Uh, so that's just a funny little tidbit here that you'll hear in the episode. Anyway, hopefully this episode will give you guys a bit more insight into the gamers that Josh Ryan and I became over time. Enjoy. Hello, squadmates, and welcome back to another episode of the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. Today, we have a very special bonus round where we are going to be talking about the video games that shaped us as gamers. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he's primarily a mobile gamer, so I'm sure he'll be talking to us about all the mobile games that shaped him, like Angry Birds and Doodle Jump. It's Josh. His times are really like you, Paul. And then there's times <laughs> I really don't like you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say got... which one this is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you have no mobile games I, on this list, Josh. I don't have a single <laughs> mobile game on my phone, for that matter. <laughs> That's such a shame. You're missing out, buddy. All right. And then joining me and Josh, he's back again as a guest host for the second time. And talk about commitment, because we offered to have him back on, and he said yes, even though he's on vacation with his family, coming in live from San Diego, California, 
It's Ryan. Hey, coming to you live from San Diego. Here I am. <laughs> Ryan, you told us that you were just surfing 20 minutes ago. Is is that is that correct? Yes. I literally walked in, uh, got all the sand off me, took a quick shower, and walked over to the computer. So... <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so glad that you're here with us, Ryan. We're not getting you in trouble with the family, right? They're they're cool with you recording? Nope, they're good to go. <laughs> I set it up way ahead of time and did all my husbandly and fatherly duties, so we're good to go. What, what people don't know is he's sitting on the toilet right now holding a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we start our regular content here for this bonus round, Josh, you've got a review to read. Someone left the show. I do have a review. We've got a couple, but um, we've got a couple really good ones, but they're a little longer, so I'm only going to read one this time. Um, but if you haven't left the show a review yet, please take just a few seconds to help us out and leave us a review. If you're on Apple, if you are on Spotify, you can click the stars and rate us five stars. That helps the show immensely. This one comes in from the co-op company mm. and it's titled for a better life. And it says, this will be the greatest gaming podcast to ever grace your ear holes. I have been listening to these guys for more than a year and a half and feel great shame for not writing a review earlier because they deserve it. I rarely ever plan on playing any of the games they talk about, but I love listening to them anyway. They're excellent storytellers and are great at articulating their thoughts and opinions. Except for Michael, because words are hard. He will be missed. <laughs> I may not always agree with them, and neither will you, but that is part of the beauty of this podcast. I love getting to hear their differing opinions on all of the games they deep dive and all of the crazy gaming news in each week's Twig episode. Heck, I even love hearing about their fast food preferences in a short, quick-take episode. If you want to greatly improve your mediocre life, then this podcast is the way to do it. If you don't listen to the podcast after reading this review, I am afraid you will be doomed to a life of disappointing, mediocre podcasts and miss out on the majesty that is Paul and Josh. P.S. Waffles are better than pancakes and the Beatles are overrated. <laughs> okay, so I was really excited about this review. <laughs> All the way through Waffles beating out yeah. pancakes. Yeah. Uh, not not to get sidetracked too much. Can can I just do thirty no. seconds on the Beatles? No, no, no. All right, no. Too bad. No. Josh called for our audience to come out in droves and tell me that the Beatles are overrated. Uh, they and are. a lot of people followed through on this. Yes. And I asked Good job, all of everybody. them. I asked every single one. Give me one solid actual fact of why you think they're overrated, other than personal preference. And I still haven't been given one response. I was even joking, calling people cowards. I'm like, come on, cowards. <laughs> give me one reason. Tell me who you think is the goat, if not the Beatles. And uh, no one's given me any answers. So I can only assume that you're all trolling me and don't actually believe it. Paul, <laughs> since I'm the one that created this chaos, I'll I'll speak to the listeners and I'll say, please keep going, guys. Just keep coming in and telling Paul that the Beatles are overrated. It is great. I will second said motion. Yeah. <laughs> and and then Josh said that the goat is Wham because of the song Take On Me, which is by also, Aha and not by Wham. I mean, so. Wham's really good, too, though, Paul. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Tomato, tomato. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, the co-op company. Excellent review. Just just strike strike the last sentence, and, and then we're good. All right. So the idea behind this episode, we were kicking around a few bonus round ideas. And since Ryan's a guest host, you know, we wanted him to feel comfortable. We wanted it to be something fun that we could all enjoy recording. And, you know, we're all dedicated gamers. We've all been gaming for a really long time. We have specific genres that we love, types of games that we love. 
We love connecting through other people, socializing through games. So we thought it would be fun. Let's just, you know, set back the clock. Let's look back at our history. What are like the pillars? What games? What moments made us the gamers that we are today? So we get to do a little bit of a trip down nostalgic lane. And um, that's really all we're doing. Maybe games we played as kids or teenagers, maybe even as young adults. Games that meant a lot to us and shaped us into who we are today. Does that sound about right to you guys? Did, did we all plan for the same show? I I, I may have <laughs> snuck in like a couple uh, experiences. Maybe they're not a specific game, but it is a mm-hmm. gaming moment or a gaming experience that helped to shape a little bit of who I am as well. Well, that that's what games are supposed to be, right? It's an experience. Yeah. Give yeah, those, but I'm just saying memories. there's a couple where it's not a specific game, but it's more uh-huh. you, the the people will see. That was a little teaser. Oh yeah, there you go. Like a DDR tournament that you won in an <laughs> maybe, arcade or something. Maybe Josh. Paul. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> All right. So I don't know exactly how many times we'll be able to each go around, but we're just gonna go round robin until we run out of time. So who wants the honors? Who who wants to go first? I'll I'll go first. How about that? Work All right, age before beauty. Go, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Oh, oh, wait, oh man. This, uh, <laughs> Paul's on point today. I like it. Beard before mustache. <laughs> For me, and I've talked about this game before, but Street Fighter 2. Round one, fight. Hadouken. <laughs> okay, okay, now I'm going to explain why. When I was just a wee lad, Street Fighter 2, the arcade machine was at my local 7-Eleven in a back dark corner of the 7-Eleven. How many times did you get stabbed? Uh, just a couple, <laughs> but it was worth it. But okay. <laughs> I used to walk there anytime I would have like 50 cents. If I found two quarters on the ground, dude, I knew where I was going, and that was to go play Street Fighter 2. Now, Street Fighter 2 at the time was absolutely exploding in all of the arcades and everything. But the reason that I bring up Street Fighter 2 is, number one, I just absolutely love the game. But number two, it's the game that made me realize that I can actually be really, really good at certain video games. And mm-hmm. it, 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 like, it awoke the competitive nature for me that I absolutely love in video games. There was nothing like being at a big arcade and playing Street Fighter 2 and having just another dude come up, stick the quarter in the machine, and like you're waiting to see what character he picks. You're like, is this guy going to be any good? And then just wrecking that fool, you know, (laughs) while you have an audience of people around you. Because when arcades existed, people would watch you play and they would cheer and they would just you'd hear them talking. It was like having an audience anytime you played video games. Absolutely loved it. I've got a little snippet here, too, to just try to communicate like how big and important Street Fighter 2 was at the time. So I'm going to read this. It's not very long, but this comes from an article, and it says, It's hard to overstate how massive a hit Street Fighter 2 was when it first hit arcades. By 1991, I know that's a long time ago. I was there, Gandalf. I was there 3,000 years ago. <laughs> Coin-operated arcades were starting to dim, falling short of the heyday of the golden age of arcades in the 1980s, which was my 
prime childhood. The arrival of Street Fighter II heralded a revitalization of the arcade industry, driving foot traffic to arcades and attracting countless imitators. <coughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's quickly it quickly created a burgeoning competitive scene with each arcade community knowing its own top players and others placing their quarters on the edge of the arcade machine to challenge the champs. It also, not surprisingly, dominated the cash flowing into the arcade business. David Snook, the editor of the arcade trade magazine CoinSlot, estimated that Street Fighter II accounted for around 60% of the toy, the total coin-op market in 1993. Street Fighter II wow. was one of the Jeez. biggest games ever made in a genre with few rivals. So here's the thing about playing Street Fighter 2 in arcades. And I know a very long time ago, Josh, we recorded a whole episode on arcades. I don't even know if it's still available. We might have scrubbed it because we got rid of yeah, a lot of know. old episodes. But everyone used to have an arcade. You would go to the movie theater. They had an arcade. You would go out to a restaurant. They had an arcade. And they all had Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Every single one of them. And... I was terrible at Street Fighter 2 because I was born in the mid-80s, so I was probably like six or seven trying to play Street Fighter with other kids. <laughs> Always got my butt whipped, but it's just hard to overstate how how ever-present Street Fighter 2 was. It was everywhere. Everyone you knew was always playing it all the time. It was just, it was really cool to see it everywhere and then... The reason I brought this up was personally, I was really good at Street Fighter 2, man. <laughs> and so it was just that it was that game where it was like, I'll take on anybody. And I'm not saying I always won. There's definitely people that were better than me. But it was just that, like, I love this competition. And that has carried through with me my entire life. Everybody knows I absolutely love Rocket League because of the competition of it. What about you, Ryan? Did you play much Street Fighter 2? I know you're a little younger than me, so you're the youngest one here. Yeah, no, I definitely played it not not as much arcade uh, style as you guys did, but uh, you go to these places and it, it wasn't as prevalent as as you know in the eighties or early nineties, like you guys said. But I definitely got some Street Fighter in for sure. Like uh, like we said, I was I was more of the imitator guy with the Mortal Kombat, but I mm -hmm. I definitely hit some <laughs> Madukins in my day so <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how many fighting games there were just a couple years later so you only had street fighter for a little while yeah. then you had mortal Kombat, and next thing you knew you had um what was the primal fear no yeah. is that what it was called primal rage primal rage yeah where you had like fighting gorillas and mm -hmm. dinosaurs yeah. you had like killer instinct there were just so many competitors that came around and it's all because Street Fighter 2 had 60% of the market share. So you're going to get a lot of imitators later on. Oh, for sure. And so, it was it was such yeah. an easy platform, too, to, to to copy. You know, you just get whatever characters you want, and you set them up in that platform, and then, boom, just have them battle. So it was something that, they, you know, anyone could make anything. <laughs> I like it, Josh. That's a good pick. Nice. All right. What about you, Ryan? What's the first game that you have on your list? Uh, my first one is definitely... Um, it definitely going way back for me, you know, being the youngest one here, it may not be as, as way back for some of us, <laughs> but, um, uh, and I had so much fun making this list too. This is, this was a blast. When you guys came up with this topic, I was like, Oh yeah, heck yeah. And once I got started, I was like, every time I come up with a game, I had to like take games off of this list. Cause I had too many, but for me, it is a beautiful year, 1997 and uh, mm. golden eye on Nintendo 64. <laughs> yes. 
So, yes. I knew this would come up. Oh, absolutely. So, so here's a backstory for, for me. Anyways, I was I was born in '88, so I was nine, ten years old when this came out, and it, I was able to get it at least. So, my friend got this game for his N64. I didn't have one. He, we played it all weekend when I went over to his house, and it was I had so much fun. We played, you know, the the little co-op game, and and we just played single player and everything. And so, the next weekend, I was able to convince my mom. To rent a Nintendo 64 and GoldenEye from Blockbuster for uh, for you little ones out there that uh, don't know what Blockbuster <laughs> is is a place you could go and you could rent games and movies and all that stuff and so and consoles and consoles like apparently yeah so I, I was able to get a console and the game and I I I don't even know how many hours I played I was gonna get my money's worth or at least my mom's money's worth <laughs> out of out of that game but it was just one that that just sticks with me because i i just put so much time into that after i got that then i ended up getting nintendo 64 and i just played and played for for a million hours millions and zillions of hours it was it was so much fun and it was it was honestly like for you know first person shooters it was so revolutionary that uh you know, and being able to go through these different areas and, and, you know, the little, the little quirks within the game. I just, it was one that stuck with me forever. Isn't it hilarious that we used to play on like 28 or 32 inch TVs split <laughs> oh. into oh, four yeah. players? And yeah. that game, that game would drop to like 18 frames a second. And we didn't care back then. It was no, just so much fun. Absolutely. It's funny because GoldenEye <laughs> is on my list. I literally have GoldenEye with the boys. Yeah. And, the <laughs> the one thing I said is, uh, it's hard to explain how big this game was with friends. Four player split screen on a sick nineteen inch TV. Yep. <laughs> yeah, is probably the reason that most of us need glasses and contacts now. <laughs> Not because of aging, just like I mean, imagine trying to play a four player split screen co op on like a twenty inch TV, man. Oh yeah, no. Imagine kids these days trying to do that, you know, and, and, and don't look at my screen. Don't look at my screen. Yeah. You know, don't. oh screen peeking. Yeah, screen was the peeking. Best, yeah, <laughs> you had people who used to tape a bed sheet. Yeah. to the TV and you'd have yeah. the one person underneath looking at the bottom and yep, someone on top. Exactly. <laughs> Plus it's got the all-time best pause music ever. Oh, absolutely. Dude it, I, I know there's so many people out there because they've heard us mention GoldenEye before. It's on like a lot of our personal top 10 lists and things like that. It's just really hard to quantify why GoldenEye was so incredible with friends. Like the game itself, the campaign was top notch. Like the shooting was really good. And I'll be honest, I don't know what the magic is with GoldenEye, like the coat, like the, the four player split screen, but there was just something about it because you could, Ryan, you said it. You could play for hours and hours and hours with your buddies and you would people would never get tired of it. Yeah. Doing the same stuff over and over again and you yeah. just you just keep it, it, it for whatever reason it just felt fresh every single time and and your buddy would win and then you would win and you win a couple and he'd win a couple and it was just back and forth nonstop over and over. It, it, yeah, it's it's just yeah, it was it was revolutionary to me. <laughs> yeah. So here's one crazy thing, because Josh played so much Goldeneye, but he never played Perfect Dark. Oh my god. So obviously Goldeneye did it first, but for me, 
Perfect Dark was just far superior. But what what, what do you think, Ryan? I, I was going to say the same thing because I know we played a mountain of Perfect Dark. You know, oh, and, yeah. I, and I like I know I said I played a lot of Goldeneye. <laughs> triple that for perfect dark because we we played so much of that you know at our aunt's house or my aunt's house and see but that's the kicker right is everybody would generally agree that perfect dark was a better shooter yeah in general right Mm -hmm. but ryan brought up goldeneye and goldeneye is on my list so what made it better than perfect dark it was it was that first one and that's what i'm saying like ask a hundred different people and they'll all say like oh yeah i remember the heyday of goldeneye but nobody's like able to say it's this specific thing that made that game what it was but it was magic at the time man. oh yeah and i mean perfect uh perfect dark even had the same level like the complex level was the same level and it was just you know it was just perfect dark but you had the laptop guns and you it was the end bombs and it was just oh, yeah it, uh, the you know sight <laughs> to me yeah to me i i liked perfect dark more and i would say that it was better just like paul did but GoldenEye was was what started it and made such an impact. And so, I mean, like I said, I convinced my mom to rent a Nintendo sixty four so I could play it for the weekend. You know, Dude, <laughs> you knew that was going to be a great weekend. Oh man, man. yeah, I just, yeah. I just, I went and I put. <laughs> she had a TV in her room, and I went and I hooked it up in there, and I closed the door, and I was just gone for the weekend. That that was yeah. where I was. <laughs> yeah, I think Perfect Dark came out like three years later. It's a pretty long gap. Oh, wow. But I did look on Metacritic not long ago, and Perfect Dark is a 97, and Jeez. GoldenEye is a 96. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're both up there for yeah. best game of all time. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break, and then we'll come back, and I'll share my first game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, we are back. I wanted to bring up something that we don't often talk about. We never talk about sports games on this podcast. And I want to talk a little bit about NBA Jam, NBA Hangtime, and NBA Showtime. All right, now I don't know if you guys ever played the basketball games, but I know for me... I did not care about sports growing up because my parents didn't like sports. But growing up in the Phoenix area, something happened in 1992, (laughs) and that's that the Phoenix Suns traded for Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah. At that point, every single person at my school had Suns fever. And, like, you were not cool if you weren't following the Suns. So I ended up getting 100% all in on basketball. And for like the next 15 years, that's pretty much all I did. All day, every day was playing basketball with my friends. 
I would watch the Suns during timeouts and halftime. I was out front playing basketball. Well, I didn't play a whole lot of games growing up because I was not allowed to own any video game systems. But if we ever went to the arcade, my mom would always give me and my sister $1. So we had four quarters. I always spent all four quarters either on Turtles in Time when I was a little bit younger. And then when I was a little bit older, it all went to NBA Jam. And so I absolutely loved playing NBA Jam with friends. And then later, the later iterations, you could play with four people. And there were a lot of times I would go to the arcade with friends. And instead of playing like the fighting games, we would all jump on Showtime, NBA on NBC. And I think a lot of people forget like certain words and phrases were invented by NBA Jam. <laughs> so saying things like, he's heating up, he's on he's fire, on fire. Yeah. boom shakalaka. Like all those things were invented by NBA Jam. And for me, those are some of my very earliest arcade memories. And uh, I feel like we don't give a whole lot of love to NBA Jam. So I thought I'd bring that up here. Did, did you guys ever really play it? I played Double Dribble. So Double Dribble was oh, going on back. the any Yeah, it was on the NES, but I <laughs> Not there as was good. a time where Don't I, rub it I, in. I Don't really rub it loved, in. Uh, well, I really loved sports Double games. Dribble. I was playing a lot of hockey games, basketball games, but there was something about NBA Jam and honestly, I think it might have been like the inclusion of the announcer and the fact that like y you could get that he's heating up. He's on fire. And then the <laughs> basketball would literally be on fire. It would oh, yeah. singe the net, you know, and it was just, it was those little things that really helped kind of make that game the iconic game that it is. I mean, you know, a lot of our friends absolutely love NBA Jam. They have the little arcade one up cabinets yeah. with NBA Jam on it and stuff like that. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It's a great game, but you know, there was a phase where I played a lot of sports games. And then I don't know what happened, man. I don't know if it's like I just discovered like RPGs and FPSs and stuff like that. And it started to kind of fall away from me or what. But NG, uh, NBA Jam is the jam. Oh, <laughs> yeah, classic. no, ab absolutely. Yeah, I still you walk you're walking somewhere. And if you see an old NBA Jam, you know, arcade game, you're like, oh, man, do I got a couple quarters? You know, how, can I go yeah. play a quick game real quick? You know, <laughs> yeah, it was, go it play was us Barkley and KJ. Exactly. Yeah. KJ <laughs> and Barkley for sure. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely, you know, growing up in Phoenix as well. The Suns fever was just wild. I was, you know, only six or seven, you know, when when it was hitting hard. But that that game still still holds up to me uh and it's it's one it's crazy like you said the announcer it just he's hyping you up so you're you're getting hyped about your play <laughs> yeah. you're like yeah oh man i'm on fire and you just keep going and uh, yeah it's that's a great choice for me because it 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 definitely holds up it's probably the shoes it's <laughs> like another one that he's yeah. coming with. all right coming back around to you josh what you got all right. I know I've talked about this game a lot, but I mean, this is games that shaped us. So I, I, I have to. It's required that I mention this, but I remember a friend of mine telling me about this game and saying, you got to play this game with me. And I said, OK, what is it? And he said, it's a game called EverQuest. And I had never <laughs> heard of it before. Logging into EverQuest for the first time ever was a moment in gaming history for me it is a moment that i will honestly never forget because it blew my mind where gaming was going at that point and i know that like there had been mmos previously like ultima online and stuff like that but dude the first time 
And I'm not talking about the thousands of hours that I put into EverQuest, you know what I mean? But it's like the first time logging in and realizing that other other like characters that I saw were real live people mm-hmm. at their computers yeah. running around controlling their characters and they were looking at me and I was looking at them and then we could run off together and do a quest together <laughs> or they could heal me while I was getting my butt kicked by a little goblin in the starting area, you know, and that you could actually interact with other people was such a game changing moment, dude. And I know that everybody that's younger and has had the internet since they were born are like, I don't get it. Like, why is that anything special? But this was one of the largest leaps in gaming to go from like mostly single player or couch co-op games to a game like EverQuest where you were literally playing with everybody around the world. And it's hard to quantify just how crazy that was. And it's hard to explain, but it was the most living world that existed in a game because of the people that were in there. You had to not only account for the game itself and the mechanics of the game and the difficulty and the raids and stuff like that, but you had to deal with other people. And this was the Wild West, man. Like They didn't know how to make a game where somebody couldn't just run up and loot the corpse of the monster that you just killed. Yeah. So you're raiding a dragon that drops mega loot and some random dude would run up and nin- they called it ninja looting because he would just stand in the crowd of characters and try to be the first person to interact with the corpse. And if he was, he could steal all the loot from people. <laughs> you know, you had things like people training like just a hundred monsters to to an area and then those monsters would wipe out everybody. And so it was just even though a lot of that stuff sounds bad, it just it created this living world that nobody had really experienced before, or at least I hadn't. And the magic behind that was indescribable, dude. And and I I don't want to gush on EverQuest forever because I know a lot of people have heard me talk about it. But that moment will be with me until I die. Well, here's the thing. like For most of us growing up, the most you ever played would be a group of four. Because you would play with your buddies or you would play at the arcade. And yeah, there were a couple games like Team Fortress Classic or like Battlefield 1942, which seemed enormous. I don't remember if 1942 had a max of 32 or 64. I think it was 64. But that seemed like you could never play with more people than that. And then hopping into whether it was EverQuest or World of Warcraft, being able to play with hundreds of people simultaneously... It was like going from dial-up internet to high-speed internet. Like, it's hard to describe for anyone who grew up with it. I don't think we've had a leap in gaming that is the equivalent of going into the age of MMOs. And that was 20 years ago. I don't think we've had anything quite like that since. No, totally. I haven't. No, no, no. It's, it's, yeah, I I agree for sure. Um, I'm glad you brought that one up too, because I, uh, I, I remember as a kid, I was in elementary school and, uh, I had a friend and I went to stay at his house and his parents actually were gamers and I, and they had like kind of a split level of a home and downstairs they had a like a gaming room, a computer room and and I think they had high speed internet at the time. I can't remember quite remember, but they had EverQuest. And I sat and I watched them play this and I'm like, "What the heck is this game?" And I, they're running <laughs> around and there's all these other people. I'd never seen anything like it. And that's probably what drew me so much to to World of Warcraft when I you know I got on that with Paul and we we played forever when that first came out. But um, yep. I I I was I was just blown away. You see these people, I'm like, so that's 
that's other people there there you know you're playing with other people <laughs> online and i was like and then i went home I was like mom we got to get this game we got we got to get this internet like and i and i i went off on it but it was it was definitely super impactful and and it made uh, you know with what josh said it was made such an impact on gaming in general and in the advancements it, it was it's wild and first time paying monthly for games. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which was a downer. Lie, that was but... a lot of money back then, <laughs> too, man. Yeah. It was 15 yeah. bucks a month back. That was a lot of money back then. I remember a few times, like, my wife and I having the conversation, like, can we afford this? And I was like, yes. <laughs> I'll sell my blood if I have to. <laughs> I got plenty of plasma for sale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that pick. All right, Ryan, coming back to you. What you got? Well, I'm going to keep in the 90s here as a 90s kid. Good year for games, by the way. Late 90s, for sure. But uh, I I got one uh, good old game in 1998 called Metal Gear Solid. Nice. Um, I love it. We need the box sound. Favorite. Yep. <laughs> yeah. One one of my favorite all-time games. Uh I, I couldn't even tell you how many times I played this game, let alone the demo. Um so so basically, the long and the short is they used to have these, you know, discs that you could get at at Blockbuster again or gamers or any of these places where you could have demo discs. I was there 3000 years ago. They had multiple games on them. You could you could play and try them out, and then if you wanted it, you know, you go to the store and you could buy the game. I got one, and it had Metal Gear Solid on it. I I played that first level. It's like this kind of you come out of the water, you're in this little teeny warehouse. It's not very long at all. I probably played through that front first level thirty times, and, and I was hooked, super hooked. I I convinced my grandma to get me Metal Gear Solid for Christmas. <laughs> I know it's a mature game, and I was probably like eleven or twelve years old. But I convinced her to get it. They they didn't the the adults don't know too much about games or didn't know too much about games back then as we do now. My my son tries to pull fast ones on me, and I'm like, dude, I've been playing games since I was a kid. I, you're not gonna pull that one on me. But they didn't know back then, so I was able to get it, and and I I just. I fell in love with that game. I played it so many times. I found every little nook and cranny, every little secret, every, you know, going in and out of the vents eight times this way, and then you see something else. And, you know, th- there's a million different little... I had the the strategy guides, you know, that you could look through. And, and it just... It was such a cool, immersive game. And I'm a big guy with cinematics. To me, a game that's half cinematic, half gameplay, that's my type of game. I just I love to just get just dive into that game and just get you know just have it surround me and just be one with that game. So so that's one that really did it to me, especially at a young age. Um, it it it, it meant so much to me, and I still you know I played through all of them, and I used to I used to speed run on Metal Gear Solid Two, and uh, you know it, it just carried on, and and uh, hopefully we can get josh to play metal gear solid 5 eventually but <laughs> i've looked at it many a time man the two dollar price tag to pick yeah that game exactly up that's, that's, <laughs> that's a bargain man but yeah no it was it was one that um that just has to be on my list for sure do you have a favorite of the metal gear solids oh for me um, it's two two is the one that really drew me in two two is awesome um i definitely i mean snake's 
obviously my favorite, but uh, you don't get to play them that much in, in two. You get a lot of Jack. Yeah, you get a, you get a lot of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, three... I mean, yeah, that's... Man, that's just like choosing between kids for me. That's that's really <laughs> hard for, for me. But three... Snake Eater's great, but I don't know. Maybe for the nostalgia, it's it's one or two for sure. See, I played one for sure because that came yeah. out on what SNES or NES even. Oh my See, goodness. I think you're thinking of the original Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid is a little later. Yeah, oh. Metal Gear was on NES. Metal though. Gear was okay, on that's NES. What yeah, I'm Metal Gear of. Solid came out in '98 uh, PlayStation on One. PlayStation I One. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's why I had the. Okay, that's the one. That's I'm why I had the demo about. disc, and so it was. I mean, it was still crazy. I mean triangles everywhere i was and... <laughs> thinking of the original that was just metal gear right exactly yeah, yeah that was just yeah, metal yeah. gear okay 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 yeah i mean i still i still to this day i, I just walk around metal gear you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> now that you guys say that this i don't know that i have ever played a metal gear solid game oh because i did play breaking metal my heart gear. man you're breaking my Dude, heart i'm saying like i played metal gear and i'm pretty sure there was a metal gear 2 and i don't remember what it was called but like i remember those games on nes and they were revolutionary too yeah. Like they're the ones that started this franchise. Yeah. But then I don't know what happened. I just kind of tapered off or something. So I, yeah, I don't know that I've ever played a Metal Gear Solid. When Metal Gear Solid 2 came out, I remember at Fry's Electronics, they had a demo and there were 50 people in line <laughs> and everyone was standing around watching this demo. And it was mind blowing because that game opens with like a 12 minute cinematic. Like when Ryan is saying that they had a lot of cinematics, like he's not joking. These oh, games have you, very long cutscenes, very creative in a lot of different ways. I mean, the Metal Gear Solid series has stuff where you had to like unplug your controller and put it in the second port yeah. or oh, yeah. change your time, <laughs> change your time on the console and a character would die of old age. Like it had neat stuff like that that no one ever really did before. The only downside are the underwater portions. Yeah, even when oh, it released, I hated that so In much. That was on that was on Metal <laughs> yeah. Solid Two. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, last question about it, Ryan. Were you always running around guns blazing, or would you actually go stealth? Oh, um. Well, depend on the playthrough, because I'm I'm a type of guy that I'll if I love a game, I'll play through it. Usually, I'll I'll blast through it to get the story. Yeah. Um, and then I'll come through and I'll just, I'll just keep playing through. I'll do two or three extra playthroughs just to find every little nook and cranny that, that I can with it. Um, so it kind of depends on the playthrough, but I, I love to see how long I could go without being discovered, you know, cru cruise through with the little box and everything, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, like that <laughs> the and, box. Yeah, exactly. So no, I, yeah, it was, it was, um, gosh, that was such a good game i'm, I'm gonna go play it later today <laughs> <laughs> one of my all-time favorite death scenes What's wrong? Snake. Snake. snake snake oh you always insane. like get those lines <laughs> every time i hear snake i'm gonna go snake yeah snake! <laughs> <laughs> yeah so funny i love it all right, I think the next one that I'm going to bring up is a game that you and I played together, Ryan, which oh, is yeah. always fun to talk about. So like I shared before, I, I didn't play a lot of games growing up, and the few games that I did play tended to be either Mario Kart or NBA Jam or Mortal Kombat. It was just simply like simple PvP with your friends, mm -hmm. all right? That's all I ever played. 
And I loved movies, but my parents were also very strict about movies. Even when I was like 16, I couldn't see a whole lot of PG-13 movies, stuff like that. Um, and even my friends that had video games, it tended to just be a lot of Mario Kart, you know, and, and, and just that kind of stuff. Mario Brothers way back in the day, you know, yeah. and that's about it. I know that this is going to sound absolutely crazy. I did not know that video games could have compelling storylines until October 22nd, 2001, when Grand Theft Auto 3 released. Yes! <laughs> All right. I was 17 years old, guys, and did not know that video games... I, I had never played like an RPG, ever. I didn't know that they could have really interesting storylines. And uh, my wife, who at the time was still my girlfriend, um, you know, Ryan's cousin... We would go and hang out at Nikki's house, and Nikki's older brother, Timmy, had a PS2, and he bought GTA 3 right when it came out, and me and Ryan, and Ryan's other cousin, Anthony, we would play GTA 3 and just pass the controller, like, every 20 minutes, and we just played through that game, I swear, 20 times from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. And it's just hard to describe how much fun it was to discover... That video games were actually art. They could tell stories. Yeah. It was immersive. I had not experienced that prior to GTA 3. So I know I was very late to find games. But, I mean, this is a game where you're, like, placing car bombs in your <laughs> boss's enemies' cars. So when they start the engine, they blow up. You're assassinating people left and right. You're driving girls between clubs and doing all these crazy things, which was also very adult. So for 17-year-old Paul, who had very uh, tight controlling parents as far as, you know, content, playing a very adult video game for the very first time and experiencing all of that, absolutely a complete blast. And then, of course, a year later, you get Vice City and then down the road. I mean, I played every single GTA game. I played all the clones. I played... uh the true crime games i played saints row i mean anything that was like gta i just i loved sandbox story forward games and i and i always say that is the game that actually made me a gamer before that i had games that i only played with other friends i never played games by myself but after gta 3 that's when i actually became a gamer there's those games that just change you, man, you know, and it's like, it, it's just, I don't know if it's the time of life, the experience, you know, I mean, that's, that's what this episode is about, right? Like everybody has that game, you know, or games even. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, everybody that's listening right now can think of like, oh, I remember the first time I played this game, or I remember when I was in college and I was hanging out with my buddies and we were cracking out on this game all the time or whatever. And it's just it's a really neat experience to encounter something like GTA three, where it just really kind of opens up the world to you yeah, and shows you that like, you know, I mean, let's be honest, technologically speaking, you know, as, as it allows you to have more control over the game as well. Right. And so where, like you were saying, a lot of games are in this small little box and you play within these game mechanics, whether it's a fighting game or a platformer or something like that you started to get into these more open world games where you could do what you wanted. Like you could, like you said, plant a car bomb, right? Or, you know, take these people from one place to another and you could kind of approach these things in various ways. And it just expanded that world immensely. 
Well, and half the fun was just driving around, messing around in the it's open so, world, right? Yeah. It's still half the fun in the GTA yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, L1, L2, R1, R2, you know, you're getting all the guns, and then oh, yeah. you go around and, 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 you know, just just wreak havoc. Yeah, I still, I still like, have visions, you know, when you brought that up, yeah, the just that level, you know, you start out, and it's rainy, and you gotta go down there, and because uh, we replayed it so many times we're always starting back there it's, good old claude yeah, yeah 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 it was oh gosh man that we put so many hours on that game yeah I, that was when timmy bought that i was i was so happy <laughs> i was so happy we're just because like, we didn't have the money to buy those games no, but gosh, having no. like an older family member who had a job and bought that stuff was incredible Well, and here's the best part he he had the money because but then he was always working so then yeah. when he was gone and we would just sit and we would play we played it 10 times more than he ever touched it and, oh, sometimes and, he would lock it in his room yeah and we would go crawl in through his outdoor window we yeah. would always make sure that it was unlocked and so yeah. timmy would lock his door break it in we would oh. climb in through the window and take the ps2 and then put it back and oh yeah all kinds you wouldn't of stuff. believe the antics we got to oh man that's awesome uh yeah good old gta3 all right well we're gonna go ahead and take one last break and we'll be right back with more multiplayer gaming podcast when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, Josh, I don't know how many we're each going to be able to do. You might only have one left, maybe two at the most. Uh, what, what do you want to bring up next? All right. Um, I'm going to bring up... Uh, it, this is only in case this is the last one for me, but I'm. this is going to sound goofy because this is actually not just a game. So I'm going to mention The Witcher 3, God of War, Mass Effect, Red Dead Redemption 2, Elden Ring. And the reason that I'm bringing all of these up is... Uh, you know, I, I'm an older gamer. Uh, I, you know, I had a guy the other day tell me I was playing Rocket League with a random guy. We hit it <laughs> off. Dude, this guy made me laugh so hard because we were just chatting in chat and, and you know, we we're actually being cool with each other, which is rare. Um, and then he said, your username makes me think you're old. And I said, well, I am. And he said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 45. And his instant <laughs> response was, oh, snap. And then he wrote, good on you for still playing games. And I've never had anybody make me feel so old. But like he meant it like 100%. Like, dude, I'm not dead. I can, like, I've been gaming for 40 years, Your, man. your hands still you know? work? Congratulations. Yeah, despite being geriatric, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just laughed so hard. He's actually a great dude. Like, we really, you know, we got along great. Um, but... But here's the thing with these games, dude. So I've been gaming for 40 years, right? And it's like, as we get older and the technology gets better, 
I'm blown away, dude. I am absolutely blown away by how far we've come in gaming. Yeah. Like, I, and, I mean, this is why I bring up this list of these just all-time games like Witcher 3, God of War, Mass Effect, Red Dead 2, Elden Ring. I mean, I could name probably five more right away, but it's just like – it's this thing where not every game can be a masterpiece. Like, I get that, dude. Like, this is what makes these games special is that they they figured it out. They put it all together. You know, and they're not normal, right? If every game was a masterpiece, then they wouldn't seem that way because it would just be like the norm at that point. But what I love is that even at my ripe old age, <laughs> I get to go like this game is what I imagine like a perfect video game to be. So after like 40 years of gaming, and I'm not saying that this hasn't happened through the decades where I go, this is the best game ever, you know, as far as that goes. But like, I'm still wowed by this like medium like video gaming it's like it's you know obviously the three of us absolutely love it but i love the fact that we are still just sometimes blown away i have tears of the kingdom right like downloaded we can't play it yet so we're recording this a little bit before you know this episode will air but it's like the hype for tears of the kingdom right now is through the roof i'm excited at the thought that this might be one of the best video games i've ever played yeah you know what I mean? And so that idea of just even as we get older, as time progresses, that we are still able to experience those wow moments is just incredible to me. Well, and especially with all those RPGs that you mentioned, minus God of War, those are all games that are very much shaped around decisions that you make. And this is what we're able to do because of modern tech. Back in the day when you only had uh, you know, a few bytes or a couple megabytes of of, of storage – you had limited graphics, limited things that you could do for mechanics that the NES only had four buttons, right? But nowadays, the fact that you can have these wide sprawling games where you get to make decisions and it completely changes dialogue options, it changes the world that you're in, nothing gets me more excited than seeing that in games. It just makes them more immersive and so much of a better experience overall. Everything that you described is is fantastic and the, the way they've developed and evolved over time I, I saw a video the other day where this guy you know in the beginning of of red dead he's like man this is so slow look at all this snow and he's like man yeah, is this seen that. yeah <laughs> he's like is this game gonna be this way the whole time and then it goes to the end with arthur and then he's the guy's just sitting there crying you know it just yeah. takes you through <laughs> this like just you know you get emotionally evolved in these games now you you become part of these games and part of these characters and, and you're, you're attached to them and, and you you just want to see them thrive and survive and, and live on and so it's yeah it's it's definitely a far cry from what it used to be not to take away from those old games because those revolutionized and, and brought what we have today but yeah man the the gaming that we have today and in, in these games that that have have given us these choices in the game is it, just awesome and and I know it sounds crazy, but it's like, I can't wait to see where we're at in 20 years. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, honestly, like where, but this is the beauty of it is we always, you know, we, we have a lot of nostalgia and we say at the time, GoldenEye, at the time, GoldenEye was phenomenal, oh, yeah. man. Now, now people look at GoldenEye and go, that's garbage. Yeah. Oh, you know? I, I remember, <laughs> I remember on uh Metal Gear Solid 2 going back, I remember on that intro scene with the cutscene, I was like, these are the best graphics of my life. Oh my gosh, what can get better than this? And I'm I'm watching Snake, and then I look at it now, and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, that looks horrible. <laughs> you can barely <laughs> tell what's going on. Yeah, with you're all like, the rain. what the heck? <laughs> it's all grainy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm so excited for the future of gaming. It's, it's going to be incredible. All right, Ryan, swinging back to you. What you got, buddy? Oh, man. Just like Joss, there's so many to go to. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little bit of a more recent one and one that is more, I think, based on the experience of it for me than the, I mean, the gameplay was amazing. Um, a little frustrating at times, but I'm going to go with Destiny 1. Um, oh, you were a huge oh, yeah. fan. So, so I, I played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on Destiny, um, mainly because I had a full squad. We had a full, a full fire team, and, and we would meet up every Tuesday, and we would raid when the raid released, and we could re, you know, re- redo it. We'd run all three of our characters through get all the loot that we could and then run all of our strikes and, and do everything else. And, and then just kind of play the rest of the week until we could re-rate again. And that game, I mean, this was before I had, you know, my, my little guy. And so I had an office at the time, <laughs> so I could just kind of lock myself away and just play. And it was, it was fantastic. It, the The game itself has, you know, it's flaws, of course, just like any, any game, but it was more is more the group experience for me, even though it was online, being able to just meet up with your friends and just play and, and play the new strikes and the new raids and all the updates, farming for materials, all, all that stuff was, was awesome to me and it, it meant so much. Did you play a lot of Destiny 2? Uh, I did, not as much as Destiny 1. Uh, I got I got a good buddy, Sean, that just continuously I, I give him a hard time i tell him that he's the only reason he still plays is because he's got so many hours in the game <laughs> but yeah. uh but he continuously keeps trying to get me back he's like oh this is really oh it's gonna be like this oh it's gonna do that and he keeps trying to bring, bring me back on but um i definitely didn't play as much as we did in destiny one but but uh i i for sure played through destiny two I remember barely playing Destiny 1, uh-huh. and I remember thinking it was cool, but I don't remember why I, I didn't keep playing it. Was that a PlayStation exclusive? I was I was going to say it was an exclusive, I think. Yeah, was it PS3? For, yeah. See, I think I played it at my buddy Curtis's house, and so I didn't really play a lot of Destiny 1, but when Destiny 2 came out, I had a lot of fun with Destiny 2. Well, it was it was great, and you know, in the Crucible, it, it was a great, you know, kind of just... just fire team fps match you know you could run through and the, the ultimates were awesome i was a, i was always a titan go through with the titan slam and i would just i would save it up try to wait till they'd go and capture the flag and see if i could i could just go ruin everybody's day <laughs> and just smash them all <laughs> that, that was my favorite thing to do but yeah it was it was it was fantastic i i enjoyed it a lot yeah very few games have better gunplay than destiny yeah all right, well, I'll share one last game, and then we'll leave some time for some honorable mentions. Uh, do you guys want to talk more about Elder Scrolls or something more recent like the Battle Royale genre? Ooh. Let's let's go more modern. <laughs> yeah, Let's go more, more modern. New stuff. All right, so this is a little bit of a two-for-one, kind of like how Josh listed 12 games. Um, <laughs> these, these released the same summer of 2016, Overwatch and PUBG. I think they released yes. like six weeks apart crazy to think we got both these at the same time um these games completely changed our gaming circles um prior to this 
you would try to convince your friends to buy the same game and maybe you would shoot them a text or send like a group email and say, hey, let's all try to play World of Warcraft tonight or, you know, whatever, something like that. After Overwatch and PUBG came out, everybody we knew played at least one of those games, if not both. This is when we started using Discord for the very first time and we would ping the whole chat. Hey, we're getting on Overwatch. Who wants to come play? And there were times when we would have 12 people on and we would have team captains go into a custom match, draft our teams and go six V six hop into different channels in discord. Like that was a ton of fun. And then also having PUBG available. I, I, I remember after world of Warcraft released and I remember thinking, okay, now we can play with hundreds of people. And I remember telling some of my friends, you know, what kind of game I would love is if it were like a realistic war simulator Let's say it's like 200 against 200, and if you get shot once, you're dead. You can't play in the rest of that game. Maybe you can spectate, and or you can just quit and join like another battle. And I always thought that the idea of something like that would be so much fun. And then lo and behold, all these years later, you get PUBG, which is kind of in that realm. I I have fallen out of love with the Battlefield formula where you just, or Call of Duty, you die, you immediately respawn. And you die within a minute and you just kill as many people as you can and you're going to die 15 times in a match. The idea of having higher stakes for something like PUBG was just so incredibly intense to play. And when you would get to those final circles and you were still in with your buddies, and you'd be cheering each other on and everyone would go nuts and yell when you would win or if you would win going into overtime in Overwatch. Like to me... That is what ushered in what our gaming group is today. I mean, that extended to other games like Hearthstone and even a little bit of Destiny and some other stuff like that. But for me, it was, it was the summer of 2016. I feel like that's what started our, our modern gaming group, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I did the days of PUBG and Overwatch when they came out. It was, and honestly, it's a little sad because I feel like we haven't had multiplayer games like that in a while. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 like we we had that for a, a a good bit, and then we even tried to branch out, like you know, Rainbow Six Siege, and you know, some other games where it's like, but then you kind of see the interest starting to taper off. Warzone, Apex, like those helped bring it back for a little while, and then it kind of started tapering off again. Yep, Fortnite. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, man, we tried. We, <laughs> we tried, tried Fortnite. Like honestly, we gave it. We gave it a shot. You know, um, but it is, it is a such a like they were so popular that we would actually have to, like you said, divide people into two teams. <laughs> yeah, or PUBG, where it's like, okay, well, we have seven guys, so we're gonna have to like the three of you. Let's try to sync up like on the map and see if we get the same map, you know, and then we would just instantly try to kill each other. This was no like teamwork, <laughs> man. This was like, nah, man, we're taking your squad down. Um, and and I I miss that to a degree because there just hasn't been a game that's gripped people. In that regard, I think Valheim, and that's one of the reasons that I think we remember Valheim so fondly, was because Valheim was that game where people kind of jumped back in and really kind of got committed to it for a while. And it also kind of hit out of nowhere. And, right, and yeah. Overwatch was kind of like that, too, where I think we were very much aware of Overwatch, but when it released, it was just such a mega hit that it just... Took, Everybody joined in. Yeah, yeah. It took right, over yeah. everything. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys want to do a couple of honorable mentions here before we wrap up the show? 
I have a lot. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I'll try to quick fire a couple here. I do have the invention or the uh, prevalence of like blo- Ryan touched on it. Blockbuster um, where I lived, we had something called West Coast video, even though we lived on the East Coast. Figure that one out. <laughs> um, but, you know, at like at the time, the only games that you got to play were games that you owned or your friends owned. You know, and so you had this like very limited gaming world for a while. And then all of a sudden these rental places start opening up and your your world is just expanded to like every game that exists at that point. But it was competition. You had to get that game before somebody else did. Oh, yeah. You know, and so we would call around to all these different stores and say, hey, do you have Contra or do you have whatever game was you know hot at the time? And they'd be like, uh, we got one copy. And then you'd sit there and try to beg like the dude to hold it for you, (laughs) you know, or you'd hop on your bikes and you just run up there as fast as you possibly could. You had to make sure you returned it on time because if you didn't, your parents would get a late fee (laughs) on the card and then you were grounded, man. Oh, yeah. You know, like, so that, that just opened up a world like nobody. And I think to this day, that's still why I like playing such a variety of games. Like I want to experience all these different games. Well, and and that Uh, was also fantastic because they introduced the whole concept of a game pass. Yeah, I remember spending $20 a month and it just let you have one game out at a time. And I remember like the Godfather was a video game and it was terrible, but I remember renting it. And I beat it in like one day and then I would just return it and then go rent something else. And it let you play all these different games because you could just go rent them because you couldn't afford buying every single game for 50 or $60. I mean, Blockbuster was fantastic for that. And Redbox game rentals was also great because you would hear, oh, yeah, that's a six hour game. Well, why on earth would I buy it? I'll just go rent it from Redbox for one or two days beat it and return it so it was so much fun to be able to dabble into everything yeah oh for sure you guys remember that just that sound when they like open that container and then they they put that game in and they snap (laughs) it in the little holder and then you they close (laughs) it and you're like yes that's my game now and then you're just you're oh gosh you were you were just ready to play it right in the 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 studio there And, and then you you grab it and you take it home and oh that was that was the best feeling by far Absolutely. It'd be all scratched up, and you'd have to buff yeah, it on exactly. your shirt yeah, to get it, it to load. And, <laughs> yeah, and I know Josh and I have joked about it, but you would stand inside Blockbuster, and if someone would return something, we would pester the you employee the and be like, yeah, "Can you check door. and see if that's you know Lost Odyssey on 360 or whatever?" And then they would go and look, and yeah, yeah, you'd always like wait a few minutes, see if you could get the game you were hoping for. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can. I like. I said. I can still hear that sound. Just that clicking sound of them putting the game back into the case when they handed it to you when you rented it. Oh, that was <laughs> so great! Best sound ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Any other honorable mentions you guys want to bring up? Oh, I I definitely have a couple real quick. Um, for me, uh, Halo One. Uh, okay. I know yes, I almost brought up yeah, Halo. Paul, so I'm Paul glad and you mentioned I, it. Quick story. We actually had a, a OG LAN experience. We had two xboxes at paul's house and and we had eight guys there it was it was the coolest thing ever it was one of the first like i'm looking around i'm like man we're all gonna play this game together no all in my parents downstairs this is crazy (laughs) all yeah all and i remember your dad was like super stoked to have the sound set up i know he's a sound guy he was like oh yeah we're (laughs) gonna get we're gonna get this audio like (laughs) dialed in and 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 it was it was so cool that we brought in a tv and we got the two xboxes set up and 
and we played oh that that was that was a really good one for me um time splitters too heck yes we played um, one of the best shooters yeah we played a million hours of that on gamecube uh just for forever and then half-life and half-life 2 for me dude uh, half-life series i would sit as a kid in school and i would draw maps to go home and try to build I would go get on the computer and I'd try to build them in the little editor, map editor. I would draw maps and try to put secret like ventways and different things. Like, oh man, people, <laughs> guys could come through here. Obviously, I never did anything with them, but I was like, oh yeah. man, if I publish these, you know, then people could use them. And, and uh, but yeah, I would sit, I would sit in school and draw maps for those games. That those, you know, which obviously led to you know Counter Strike and all those other ones that were huge. Team Fortress Classic and, but yeah, Half Life and Half Life Two were obviously huge impacts on anyone from the '90s as far as games yeah. go. They were revolutionary, man. Absolutely, I still remember watching watching the when they were coming out with Half Life Two. You could watch kind of what the graphics the engine was going to do. And you, you, it took you through that boat or whatever. I'm trying to remember, but you take you through the boat and you kind of see the water effects. Obviously, now it's much different than what they can do. But I was, you know, same as Metal Gear Solid. I was like, whoa, look at those graphics. It looks so amazing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I remember learning a harsh lesson with Half-Life 1. I didn't play it at release, but when I built my first PC, I bought it a couple years late. And I only had one save file and it had like quick save, you know, like F5 was quick save and F7 yeah. was quick load Uh-oh. or whatever. Oh no. And I, <laughs> all I had was one save right before I died or maybe I was stuck in the map or whatever. And I was like two thirds of the way through the game and there was no oh, way around no. it. Oh. And I never finished Half-Life 1. I, I quit. What? I was like, I'm yeah. not redoing oh. the whole game. But I did play Half Life Two at release, and you would just you would just have fun with the physics because that oh, game would yeah. just throw in here's like stacked pallets, and you would just start shooting the bottom pallet and watch them like fall and tumble over because yep. you had never seen that in games before. But yeah, the Half Lives are incredible, dude. That I mean, gra- that gravity gun, I I, oh, yeah. I would just walk around best, with the gravity best gun weapon ever. Yeah, and I just I just smash stuff and bring it to me and smash stuff and yeah, that, <laughs> you could spend hours just with the gravity gun walking around. <laughs> Shoot saw blades yeah. everywhere. Oh yes, in in the little zombie land area. <laughs> I think the only honorable mention I'll bring up is Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Yes. I, yes. Depending on your age, everyone probably has a different Elder Scrolls that they played first. For me, I had no real exposure to fantasy at all until the Lord of the Rings movies. And so those came out, I think, like, 01, 02, 03. And I loved the Lord of the Rings movies. I was working at a movie theater. And then when I built my first PC, my graphics card came with a free copy of Morrowind. And I remember playing it. And that's the first time I ever played a fantasy game. And I remember, and I've told this on the pod before, but I remember taking my bow and arrow and aiming it at a guard and thinking in my head, well, obviously you can't shoot a guard. And I shot the guard and they all bum rushed me and, and yeah. killed me. And I was like, oh, wait, this is like it, it, it felt to me like this is a game where you can do anything. And yep. I had never felt that way about a game. So Morrowind for me was like that. And I loved it so much that I made sure to buy Oblivion on the day it came out. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Uh, we do want to say a huge thank you to Ryan for joining us again. It's always such a blast to have you here, especially since we did a lot of gaming as teens. I feel like as time goes on, as we have you on more, 
we're gonna have a lot of stories to tell. Oh I my think gosh, it's gonna I be got a blast. so many. <laughs> <laughs> and we do want to say a huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you want to, uh, we would like to ask everyone to go check out our Patreon page at MultiplayerSquad.com. You can get bonus episodes. You'll get all our episodes a day early, and they're also ad-free. So once again, that's at MultiplayerSquad.com. You can also hit us up on socials everywhere at MultiplayerPod. And make sure to check out all of our episodes. We have new ones drop every Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, so depending on which one you decide to check in on, you know, make sure to do that. Mondays are hour-long episodes. Thursdays are 30 minutes covering gaming news. Saturdays are short 7- to 12-minute quick takes. And uh, I think that wraps everything up. Any closing words, guys, or is that about it? You guys got me all nostalgic, man. I'm ready to go play some more video games now. I know. I'm stuck out here in this beautiful uh, the beautiful weather. I just want to play video games now. Yeah, right. <laughs> go bring a Game Boy with you out on the water while you're surfing. Yeah, you, you know, I have my laptop, and it can run some stuff, and I have a controller. I brought one with me because I'm uh, addicted. So, yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you once again to everyone out there for listening. And until next time, happy gaming. All right. See you, everybody. Adios.